Hello, world singers. My name is Tyler. And my name is Brooke. And this is Cosmere Conversations. coming at you today with a little interlude in our Year of Sanderson coverage for some words of Brandon. It has been a long time since we put out one of these volumes of Brandon. The words of Brandon have been a mini since 2022. Yeah, yeah. And we have just been so busy with all the secret projects. And so you can consider this an into our Frugal Wizard Handbook book club because there will be some words of Brandon direct from the FWH spoiler stream. Or you can consider this the launching point for our Yumi book club, which is coming to your feeds next week. That's right. You don't need to wait. There's no patience required here. We're going to drop this and then we're going to drop the beginning, the first episode of our Yumi Book Club right here at the end of September 2023. I put you in time so that you know where we are at and where Brandon is at when he is giving a lot of these words because we are pulling from a spoiler stream that Brandon and Friends from Dragonsteel did on September 7th of 2023. But before we dive deep into the pool that is Brandon Sanderson, how about some fan feedback? Give me some uh, updates. What's going on in the fan community? Well, first we should say welcome and thank you to our new patrons, Aaron R. and Marcel K. Thanks for joining. We're so happy to have you over there. Yes, the Patreon is where you can get the exclusive early access to our book club in real time. So Secret Project number four book club, that's going to be ongoing as soon as it is released next month. If you like the podcast and you would like to contribute a small amount to it, uh, join us on Patreon. We put a lot of work into this and it's cool to see people over there. And fun to get more interaction. But we are open to all the fans. For example, Mar is a listener. What up, Mar? They are a native Spanish speaker. It's always so cool to hear from people all over the globe who are Cosmere fans. It just makes me so happy to think about all of us nerds just all passionately engaged in this fantasy world, making friends from all over the globe, this like thing that unites us. Yes. Super cool. Transcending the bonds of language. Mar, we appreciate you. And I'm very sorry for all of my terrible pronunciation. But to be fair, I'm not 100% certain if you know the difference. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're probably not the one that you need to uh, apologize to. No, that's just uh, Michael and Kate, the audiobook readers. And let's use one of the comments from Rebecca over on our Patreon to kind of launch us in to the spoiler stream because Rebecca had a question regarding Brandon and Dan Wells who are discussing how Dan is going to be incorporated in to the Cosmere writing situation that they have going on now and on one of the most recent podcasts that Brandon and Dan do, they discussed 
a music note-based language and a new race that is horse-like that Dan would be leading the charge on, so to speak. Is this definitely confirmed or they were just kind of brainstorming? This is their discussion, not a brainstorming, saying like, this is what Mm. he will be doing. Okay. And it is a- I mean, then I think like Rebecca says- this has got to be about Reichadium. And yes, Rebecca, I would agree with that. That sounds exactly right to me. Yeah, a book potentially based in Reichadium culture from Reichadium perspectives would be amazing. It would be the first of its kind in the Cosmere. Yeah. And I think that any type of new language introduction in a book whether it be, you know, Dothraki or Klingon or whatever it happens to be, Elvish, the famous one from Lord of the Rings, you have an innate interest because of the new language that's being introduced. It's like a little bit of new magic rules, but instead it's new linguistic rules. Yeah. And like, what does a being who maybe communicates more in musical notes feel like, think like? How do their thoughts manifest themselves and how is that different than how we manifest our thoughts well and we've seen a little bit of that with the singers yes and the they way are that the they first example communicate uh so yeah it would be really interesting to get to dive into more of that uh like indigenous rasharan culture it certainly could also act as a jumping off point for better understanding the singers depending on you know the timelines and how things go but if you get Dan Wells' Reichadium story at the same time that Brandon is working in the back half of Stormlight Archive, maybe unveiling important aspects of the singer culture that we get more perspective on and we have a better understanding of because of the Reichadium knowledge we get from yeah. Dan's book. That seems like one of those things that like Brandon has said he wants to do but doesn't necessarily have the time to do and it's so hard to wrap things like that into existing books especially when they are already quite full so really interesting speculation from rebecca and we love all of you fans let us know as this year of sanderson is coming to a close we only have one more book but that's the one we should celebrate the most it is also coming up here in november Dragonsteel Con. That it is. We are very excited. We will be attending. We hope to see you all there. Yeah. If you're going to be there, definitely reach out and let us know. We would love to see you. I will be carrying around my tiny nightblood that was the letter opener gift from the last box. And that's how you will be able to identify me. (laughs) Now let's dive into that spoiler stream and talk about some of the general words of Brandon that have been pulled out some of them exclusive or specifically about the Frugal Wizards Handbook. Yeah, I do want to start with a little bit of just an update that he gave during this spoiler stream. Uh, It's been confirmed now that the Words of Radiance Leatherbound crowdfunding campaign will be happening in March. I believe the original date was going to be this summer, like summer of 2023, and then they have pushed it back. They thought maybe they would do fall 2023. But I think next March, March 2024, is going to be when they are fully done with the year of Sanderson, getting all of that shipped out so they will feel more able to 
do this next big campaign. So if you've been waiting for this, keep your eyes out for March. Yes, those words of radiance leatherbound, we would expect two volumes. Brandon has said they've already begun to receive shipments of those leatherbounds. And so any fears regarding, you know, late shipments or not, I don't think those are going to be in place because it's unlike the seeker projects that were kind of like a rush job. This is the big plans, the leather bounds that they have gamed out and they have an understanding built in of how many people are going to buy. So like this is all kind of well organized. They at least have a starting place. They probably will need to order more once they see the full numbers of the crowdfunding campaign, but they've at least made a start. (laughs) Yeah. So we know that uh, at least that first wave of shipments will be timely. Now let's get into some of the more general or more specific rather questions. And because this spoiler stream was quite recent, it had not been transcribed yet. So these are all sort of paraphrased Uh, And if you need more specific, concrete quotes, you can watch the spoiler stream. I'll play the questioner in the first one and you can help us answer. Quote, now that you're about 75% through the first draft of Stormlight Archive 5, how are you feeling as you are quickly approaching the end to the front half of the series? Are you looking forward to the mid-series break and having time to work on other projects? End quote. Yeah, and Brandon said that he is really looking forward to it, not necessarily any more than he usually does after a long and difficult write like this one is. Um, He's said before that finishing a series is always rather difficult because you're trying to wrap up a lot of the storylines and make sure everything tracks and things like that. So this one in particular, I'm sure, has been especially Uh, daunting and challenging for him. He did say that with that being said, obviously he is quite fond of Stormlight Archive, (laughs) as we would hope to hear him say. And currently, as he's writing, he is not feeling as much uh, fatigue in writing that story as maybe he thought that he would have. And then he went on to talk about uh, the kind of different way that he has been approaching this right. Yeah, this structure seemed interesting to me with stormlight archive five he said maybe one of the reasons i'm not feeling fatigued is that i've been writing one viewpoint at a time and it's keeping things refreshing and i get to experience bringing the story to a climax multiple times as he kind of like follows one character arc to the climax and then starts over from another character's perspective i believe based on some previous mentions of Brandon that he started pretty early with the Zeth and Kaladin story arc. And so you could imagine kind of like taking that weird buddy cop duo from the moment beginning the story to its climax and then starting over with a Dalinar or a Navani, a Lift, Shallan. Obviously, there are interesting ways of organizing big stories like this. And I found that one to be maybe unusual or just kind of like unique. Yeah, interesting for sure. And it seems like maybe that will work better in this book than it might for other books because the characters are kind of going their own way. I think especially for like Zeth and Kaladin who seem like they're going to be 
you know, kind of off on their own adventure, not necessarily interacting with the other characters a whole bunch. It makes sense that you could just kind of write that story all together. Um, And I'll be interested to see how that works out for the other characters as well. Yeah, I think the benefit also comes from the fact that this whole story is only supposed to take place over 10 days. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, we don't know that. That's kind of a speculation at this point. But it was a key aspect of Brandon's couple of additional books to the Wheel of Time series is that the final climactic battles did not take a lot of time, but took up an entire book. And so I'm getting, you know, similar vibes for this ending of Stormlight Archive 5. And I think that makes it a little bit easier to imagine writing each character's arc out when you don't have to do that over months and get lost in like plot details or plot holes. Who's traveling from X position to Y position? How long does the traveling take? You kind of introduce a lot more complexity when you add time into the equation. Yeah. I mean, I think all of the Stormlight Archive books actually take place over a relatively short amount of time, like per book. So following in that trend just more intensely perhaps. He also said that during this break after Stormlight 5, he's really looking forward to working on the next Elantris book and the next era of Mistborn. And he said in terms of the next era of Mistborn, like Wax and Wayne sort of got in the way of being able to write this next era and that this era has actually been outlined for quite a long time. So he's really excited to get to actually finally write that. Yeah, Lantris has always been a little bit of a weird story in that we have gotten planetary references, the Emperor's soul, and then the inclusion of Shy in the Lost Metal. Hashtag spoilers all the time. Everybody knows this. I think that returning to the actual story and plot of Elantris, it was left with in such a interesting political and war situation and the country seemed to be kind of like finally solidifying in my yeah, mind. Yeah, it's a different book because it's a book about magic in which there is no magic until the very, very end. Yes, it's much more of like a political thriller mystery not like you know it's got some different aspects going on yeah but i am excited for how elantris begins to be worked back in to the cosmere because certainly elantrians who we saw in secret project number one with seem Tress, to be very important very important characters overall let's go on to another question i will again ask it for us quote y'all are doing so many cool things at dragonsteel do you get fomo for other projects you're not working on end quote Yes, was the general answer. And Brandon said, in particular, this applies to writing projects that, you know, he always imagined doing. And at this point, there's just no way that he will have time to do. So things like the Skyward series, which has been fully passed off to Jancy, I think Brandon is still sort of consulting with her and talking about story and things like that. But it has been fully uh, given to Jancy Patterson to finish or continue writing. Dan is writing things like we just talked about at the beginning of this episode. So some of those projects. And then also like merch ideas and just how difficult it is to not be involved in every single decision. I think Brandon is happy with 
how he is spending his time. But, you know, just like all of us, you just never have enough time to do everything that you want to do. And so when the merch team comes to him and is like, hey, we we thought about this great idea. What do you think? He's like, oh, man, so cool. Like, I wish I was in on the development process, but, you know, you, you've you already done it and you've done a great job. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the most difficult things for people who are really driven and self-starters as Brandon and, and many authors have to be, they, once given a broader scope, simply want to apply that same energy to the broader scope. And so they want to be as involved in the merchandising aspects of the company as they are in writing the books. And of course, you can't do everything. You tap out pretty quickly uh, when you are pushing beyond in that way. But it is such an interesting thing to see different authors or just like different creatives in general, even things like different sports players. Like how does, you know, LeBron James manage the brand of LeBron in ways that are different from other athletes or other creatives and like that structure of existence outside of themselves to like bring more of themselves and their creations you know the stormlight books or any of the cosmere books are benefited by that merchandising arm of dragonsteel that brandon is further and further away from the arm yeah it's still an important part of everything that's going on Let's go to our next question, which is kind of a fun one. Yeah, I really love this one. I think everyone (laughs) should play along, too. The question is, if you were given a billion dollars for a Cosmere theme park, what would it be like? Brandon said that he loved the interactivity of the Harry Potter world in the Universal theme park in Florida. And he also mentioned the Avatar world, not Avatar The Last Airbender, Unfortunately. unfortunately, but the James Cameron Avatar Pandora world that feels like its own place, completely separate from Earth and its own kind of like stepping into another world type of experience. Having said that, he doesn't really know what he would do for a Cosmere theme park, but he kind of liked those as stepping stones or inspirations. So we're going to help Brandon out. (laughs) And I think that you now have a billion dollars and full creative control for the Cosmere theme park developed wherever you want it to be, but it does have to, you know, still stay within the realm of earth physics. You can't have stormlight. Right. Yeah. It's like giving you magic powers or energy sources, anything like that. No Elantrian aeons uh, are going to be making a beautiful city that is, uh, you know, glowing brightly. But with a billion dollars, what would you do? I think this is a hard question. I also like don't know if a billion would be enough. I'm going to be honest. I think a billion would have been enough in the past. But when you have to like, you know, buy all the land and, you know, mm. that type of stuff now, yeah. you could easily surpass a billion, I think, pretty quickly. Yeah. But let's pretend that you're basically I also like, given... like not a huge theme park person. When I think of theme park, I guess I think of like roller coasters or like rides okay fun which i don't know if i would want there to really be a lot of rides i think i would like it to be more like a harry potter world i haven't been to harry potter world so i could be totally off base but just being able to be in the environments yes of the worlds of the cosmere would be cool so if there was like a rashar world and you could 
go down into some chasms and like practice some spear fighting. Oh, you're gonna have like a moves. bridge team down there. Yeah, teaching you know everyone? how like when you go to Disneyland, oh, you can like Darth learn. Vader teaches yeah, like, you. Darth how Vader to, teaches you how to use your videos. lightsaber. It would be like that, where you could do like a little training thing. And maybe there would be like a Rashar and wine tasting. You could like go to a little Rashar wine shop Ooh, that's and fun. try like all the blue, the oranges, purple, yeah. orange. Okay, wines. I like that a lot. That's I would want it to just be like experiential, mm-hmm. like that. You could like you know take a Fabriel class from Navani. Yeah, like show up at the Alethi war camps, and you know nearby there's the chasms. But you yeah, have just kind of like, like little shops the, and stuff. The marketplace. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Sabariel's shops yeah, and all yeah. of those things that are going on. I think that's a lot of fun. It definitely stays with the idea that Brandon said about like the interactivity being key, mm-hmm. you know, stepping into that other world. I think I would like to mix in some rides or whatnot, some type of soaring over california it used to be called i don't know if that's still what it's called i don't think so but there was a like hang glider setup that you got strapped into this is in the uh california obviously disneyland you get strapped in to this setup and then there is a almost like 360 maybe like 270 degree screens all around you and below you and you're flying over California and kind of like seeing different aspects I would love to do something along those lines like you know fly with the wind runners or something like that (laughs) where you are starting as like a recruit radiant or a little (laughs) squire of the radiant and they kind of like bring you in and they're like okay everybody breathe in the stormlight and it like fills up with like magical light everywhere and then you uh you know get strapped in and you take off and then you're flying over rishar and they're like okay we're gonna go to see these different areas and you like speed blitz from one area of Rashar to another because I feel like the geography of Rashar is part of the cool part yes I want to see the shattered plains but I also want to see the pure lake and I want to see the Reshi Isles and I yeah there was but I think you know if it's going to be a whole theme park Mm -hmm. then if we're going sort of in the mold of Disneyland you would have Rashar world and then your Nalthus world etc so like you have to differentiate them. Rashar would have to be the sort of deserty, rocky, because then Nalthus is going to be the jungly, warm, you know? Ooh, lots of fun color-based games you could have going yeah. on in the Nalthinian world. Definitely let us know in the comments what you would add to a Cosmere theme park. Maybe we'll uh, get some artists to draw out the map of everybody's creations uh, for and contributions for the Cosmere theme park. This next question is another really fun one. Quote, if you made a Smash Brothers type game with Cosmere characters, who would you main? End quote. Without missing a beat, Brandon immediately said, Kelsier. I would obviously main Kelsier because you can't put Hoyd in. Hoyd can't be part of the smash. He has to be like a referee of some kind. Or maybe you put in something like each character can summon Hoyd to do something despicable to their opponent when they're defeated. Yes, Hoyd is the (laughs) finisher, uh, finishing move of every character. And he just comes in and Yasna just says, Hoyd, harder. Harder. (laughs) 
Okay, Kelsier is off the board. That's how we're playing. Just like if someone takes it, then it's gone. Brandon's going to main Kelsier. Who do you main? It can't be Kelsier. I think Adolin. Ooh. Maybe Dalinar, though. Nice. I mean, I love the duelist Adolin play. Yeah. Or I'm just thinking practically. <laughs> like when I play Smash Bros, I usually play Kirby because he's so cute and funny. And so if I was like going with what is already obviously my trend, like the cute, funny one, it would probably be Lyft. Yeah, you would be a good edge dancer. <laughs> I feel like Lyft would basically be Kirby. She would just like eat a bunch of things yeah. and then like slide around. Yeah, that's perfect. Love it. I'll give a shout out to my bald boy, Zeth, assassin <laughs> in white. He would be a fantastic, especially if he had Nightblood, like that's an OP Smash Bros character. And while Adolin is a good call, I think that Vasher might bring uh, a little bit more trickery to mm. the table and still a lot of great swordplay, but yeah. also some of that awakening magic. True, true. Let us know which character you would main. <laughs> yeah. And we are again going to talk to someone to get us an actual version of this. It would be amazing. We'll reskin Smash Bros, but yeah. with our characters oh from gosh. the Cosmere. Yeah. Where are the programmers out there? Do this for us. Make us a game. <laughs> it should be totally easy. Nobody spends hundreds of millions of dollars on these games, right? I found this next question interesting. And I love it when questioners try to you know think outside the box. Yeah. Quote, would a mortician be able to tell if the body in front of them was a world hopper? End quote. And Brandon said yes, but not because of the world hopping. A mortician would generally be able to t tell because, well, I guess it depends. There are some that you would not be able to tell. But if someone left Rishar and then came back to Rishar and died, like a mortician would not be able to tell because they're... Rasharan. He said someone who can read their spirit web might be able to tell if they had left the world. Like design. Right. But unless they could do that, it wouldn't really leave an effect on you physically. Maybe unless you had some off-world food in your stomach or they were like a completely different ethnicity that doesn't exist on the current planet. So to me, the answer is no. For the most part, other For than the just most like part, the yeah. incredibly the, like, obvious. obvious things. If a Parshendi showed up on yeah. uh, Scadrial, obviously they would be like, uh. You also don't need <laughs> to be a mortician in order to yeah, identify exactly, that. <laughs> exactly. But the concept of a outward physical change because of world hopping, Brandon seems to be shutting down, but I, I think that's like a good you know, thing to be looking at is like, is there some damage that you're doing from hopping from world to world or like, yeah, I mean, I think the idea behind it is probably like astronauts, right? Sure. When they go to space, there yes. are calculable Huge. physical differences Absolutely. that we can quantify and see in their bodies. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like Brandon is saying that that does not exist. I'm assuming currently for world hoppers. And I would imagine that this would be different if you are traveling through the cognitive realm versus traveling through space. Yeah, we would, I would assume that. I think that if you're traveling through space in a spaceship, the same types of differences that we see in astronauts, we would also see in these Cosmere people. It's when they're traveling through the cognitive realm that it's like, basically, they're the same. No change. Unless it's to the spirit web. This next question has some important 
info and updates. Somebody asked, are you working on anything else right now like Secret Projects? Brandon responds, Stormlight Archive has been consuming most of my time and I haven't really had time to do anything else because part of my time has been spent on movie stuff, but that has fallen through. You heard that right, kids. The writer's strike, the big hope for maybe a Mistborn, but like something was supposed to happen. It was all lined up, writer's strike, the future is unknown. Yeah, I don't know if it was only the writer's strike. Uh, Brandon said Hollywood in general is just kind of in a bad spot right now for many reasons. I'm sure, you know, the pandemic and then also the writer's strike and there are all kinds of struggles and questions about streaming and the, you know, future of movie theaters. And there's a lot of questions in that industry and kind of nobody knows what works nowadays and like what is going to make money. And so no one is feeling really excited about spending a lot of money on untested IP. So and and Brandon is also pretty confident in what he would want a yeah. film adaptation to be like. I think and that's... is willing to step away if it's not going to be what he wants it to be like. He's willing to wait for the right thing rather than settling for like a lower budget or whatever that is not going to give the final product that he wants. I think that may be the most important aspect is that Brandon really has two hardline requirements of it's going to cost a lot of money and B, I, Brandon Sanderson, will be in charge of things. Yeah. (laughs) Like I do not think he is willing to sell rights and give up a lot of his direct control so you are demanding a lot or dragon steel is demanding a lot and after the kickstarter it seemed like there were a lot of studios willing to Mm -hmm. provide that people were really excited about it and with just all of the complications that have come up in the last year or so those things are just not as viable anymore so womp womp sad news for all of us (laughs) it really is sad and i think it is a good reminder about the importance of all of these creative individuals actors yes but also the writers the producers every one of the many many people who work on all of these different types of creations you know you're Wheel of Times, your Rings of Power, your Foundation series, whatever it is that you happen to like, that takes a tremendous amount of people doing tremendously hard and difficult work in order to bring it to our screens, whether it be the big screen or our TV screens. And because of all of that kind of like complexity and the juggling that is necessary to pull it off, anything could happen or not happen. And it looks like not happening anytime soon. At least at this point, yeah. We hate Uh, to be the bearer of bad news and the bad news bears, but we are going to now get into some of the frugal wizard specific questions and answers from Brandon. First one is, how did Lagna travel to an upstream dimension? This is the question, isn't it? (laughs) We ended our entire series talking about the upstream and downstream nature. We went deep into exploring the possibilities. And then Brandon comes in with this response and basically shatters a big part of my reckoning and theorizing. He says, 
what Lagna was when she traveled upstream allowed it to happen. Sit with that for a moment. What do you think this means? What was Lagna when they traveled upstream? Well, she is a god on the world that we see her on. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of just what I'm assuming is she is some type of magical, deific being. I but would say invested, but we're not in the Cosmere. <laughs> <laughs> but she's on, that on Runian's world. Brandon is saying to get to Runian's world, she had to be something different. No, he doesn't say different. It just says what she was allowed it to happen. So I'm assuming that is just drawing a line between Lagna as, let's just say, an invested entity versus mm-hmm. a regular human. Oh, interesting. I kind of went the other way. Instead of like she's super powered, I kind of saw like maybe the things that can move upstream are more akin to cognitive shadows or in Frugal Wizard, what we would call the whites, you know, something that's not quite as locked to the physical realm. Again, these should not be used, but we are using them. Something that's not quite as locked to the physical realm and then gaining that physical nature upon landing on Runian's world. So basically anything with a physical body can't travel upstream was kind of how I saw it, that she like had to be. Well, I didn't say she had a physical body. I said she was a godlike being. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many gods you've met with a physical body, but. <laughs> I'd say at least like 80 to 90% enjoy having that physical body that they can mess around in. But you never know because that other 10 to 20%. So it's just like anything could happen. Next question. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Someone asked, what was the storytelling purpose for not allowing the main character to regain his armor by the end of the book? Brandon says, that's an excellent question. You might guess that when I started working on it, that's what I planned. But the more I edited, the more I realized that his platings were a huge crutch for him. He kept trying things, but not really giving it his all. Like, I'm going to be a cop. Because that's what my friend does, and relying on the trappings of the thing. I realized that by the end of the book, he really needed to give it his all, and he can't be relying on basically anything, even the thing that most Sanderson books will have. This moment where he regains his armor and becomes awesome. I don't want to do things the way I do them just because they're the way I have done them. Leaving him completely exposed and having him go forward anyway was the thing he needed as a character to really fulfill his character arc. I liked the self-awareness that Brandon had there of like, yeah, this is a thing that usually I do. That is sort of a hallmark of my work. But I want to be aware that that is the thing. And when I do it, I'm doing it for a purpose. I'm doing it because it makes sense for the story and the character, not just because I always do it. Yeah, Brandon is now subverting himself. Yeah, which I think you have to do to be, well, I don't know if you have to do. Plenty of good writers can make great careers out of uh, a formula, their mm-hmm. own you know, personal style and formula yeah. that they write. Um, but I think particularly with an author as ambitious as Brandon, who was trying to create an entire universe being able to have this type of awareness so that you can write as much as you want to write without it feeling formulaic or stale uh, is really important and i would definitely agree john as a character who's becoming runian 
does feel like he needs to leave behind the trappings of John, which includes the technology and those platings. So it makes a lot of sense. I think it worked. Yeah, me too. I think for the first maybe half of the book, I was definitely expecting him to get his platings back. But by about halfway through, I felt like it wouldn't be right for his character arc uh, for that to happen. So I think Brandon made the right choice. Let's dive deeper into John as a character with this question. Quote, what were you thinking about when you were writing John with really low self-esteem? End quote. Yeah, Brandon said it was a character trait that I hadn't really delved into, and I thought it matched him really well and made him distinctive. He's not your standard Sanderson protagonist, and I liked how that worked. It gives a different feel and tone to his voice and to the storytelling. I think this is a great comparison between someone like Kaladin and John. John having low self-esteem can sometimes appear like a depressed Kaladin, but they're not actually all that similar. Yeah, they feel very different. Yes, and I think the it's easy to maybe confuse those two feelings. Someone who is depressed, you might say, oh, they have low self-esteem or they have a low mm-hmm. value about themselves. Kaladin, you don't value yourself appropriately. You're totally awesome, man. But they are distinct in the ways that they kind of infect the mind or impact the mind. And it's not the same. The The cure is also not always the, the same. Yeah. <laughs> and you can put Kaladin in a situation where his self-worth is clearly on display, you know, saving Dalinar. But that doesn't necessarily fix his depression because it's not necessarily about his self-worth. It's, I don't want to say deeper, but it's different than what John is dealing with. And that kind of like, internal focus i think is better for the shorter book that frugal wizard was you kind of get this uh like more isolated personal story and so i think it all reflects well on what the story was and what the character is trying to do just worked absolutely this next question kind of goes along with that and was maybe my favorite uh question and response of this stream Quote, what's your advice for someone who really relates to John's search for and lack of a driving passion? End quote. Brandon told kind of a long story about uh, his own relationship with this. Obviously, Brandon is someone who does have a really strong driving passion. And he told a story about uh, his former roommate and current friend, Ben, uh, who once long ago sort of asked Brandon, like, hey, you know, it's okay to like not have a defining passion in life, right? Do you understand that? And Brandon was like, no, I do not. <laughs> but like, talk to me and tell me about that. Um, because their friend group was kind of full of a lot of people similar to Brandon, artists, people who had this one thing that they really loved. And Ben was not like that. And Ben explained that for many, if not most people, what they want is to just get off of work, go home, enjoy their hobbies, many differing hobbies, enjoy their friends, enjoy their lives. And Brandon realized that sort of the defining passion of Ben's life was his life, was just living his life. And 
that Ben, even though he didn't have this one defining thing driving him forward, he has an extremely fulfilling life with his friends and his family. He's got, you know, a job that is not absorbing all of his time and energy when he's done with work. He's done with work. And then he goes and does all of the other things that he likes to do, which are not, you know, confined to just like my hobby is writing, my hobby is music. He might do, you know, a bunch of different things that he enjoys and the work of art that he is creating is his own life. Yeah, this whole story that Brandon tells and the way that it reflects back onto John's search, because he, he's searching for that driving passion and finds it in a way on this new world. And so I don't think John is that person. John is not Ben. Oh, and I was going to say it kind of is because I feel like John is searching for an identity, mm-hmm. right? Am I a cop or a thing? Or like literally, a... what are my memories? <laughs> well, yeah. But like a singular thing that he can use to like define his life and his purpose. And I think what he ends up discovering is that he just wants a life. He wants to be with Cephalin, help people and like have a community and be himself, not necessarily be a thing. Yeah, and that's the transition between John and Runian. Yeah. And Runian really feeling like a different character or a different purpose, a person with a different purpose than the original John who he started out as. It's always fun to kind of like come back to the foundational story of The Lord of the Rings because it is, you know, just a tale about a hobbit who lives in a hole and then who goes on a great big adventure. But the underlying concept of all of these different people and these races that exist uh, throughout Middle Earth, they are a little bit stereotyped, but they're designed to like represent different aspects of people. And then you have these hobbits who are really just about like the hearth and the home and not really doing anything to like excellence. Their goal isn't to like create the best food or anything they just like eating food like they're not the greatest farmers in middle earth or anything along those lines yeah they just like hanging out and having fun and drinking and smoking and like and just like actually it. that's pretty nice <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem that bad at all okay our next question is what history meta joke was your favorite and why was it what is zero <laughs> and brandon says it was what is a zero the jokes i had the most fun with were the marketing jokes but it was great to be able to bring out aspects of the research into history and the period of history for example the presence of bright and vibrant dyes and colors and the fact that vikings for the most part actually were really devoted to hygiene and like keeping themselves clean and the kind of like stereotypical like dirty viking you know coming up from the the shores or something is often the reverse of the actual situation where the vikings would be the cleanest people around in any given area this next person asked if there was a sequel planned for frugal wizard because the main story is pretty wrapped up but the epilogue leaves it so open and interesting. Yeah, the epilogue makes me want a lot more in that world. Yeah. And Brandon 
uh, brought up a theoretical project that I have never heard of. Apparently, he's talked about it on his podcast with Dan a couple of times. He said, if there is a sequel, it will almost assuredly be Titanic 2 Sink Harder, (laughs) which is, yeah, again, like a project, a theoretical project that he's talked about on the podcast uh, with a sort of similar premise to that book, um, 11-22-63. By which Stephen is like, King? yeah, the premise of that book is go back in time, save JFK. Uh, in Brandon's case, it would be go back in time and prevent the Titanic from sinking. But then there is also another team there trying to ensure that the Titanic does sink. <laughs> Love and, it. Uh, yeah. So this would happen sort of in the same universe as Frugal Wizard, uh, which he did confirm is in the same universe as uh, a Night of Blacker Darkness, which is by Dan Wells and the Alcatraz versus the Evil Librarian series, which, as we have said, are all connected by that Cecil character. So certainly did not shut down a call for a sequel to Frugal Wizard. He did, I would say, deflect a little bit with his Titanic 2 Sink Harder, but you never really know how serious or jokey Brandon could be because I could see that actually working. Titanic 2, <laughs> Sink Harder. He just commits to the bit and just writes the story and it's hilarious. And you have a competing teams of time travelers who are either trying to save or wreck the Titanic. It actually could be a whole <laughs> new gimmick from the frugal wizard company is instead of going back to medieval england you are sent back in a competitive-esque challenge to like make history happen or change history yeah and you're you know competing that was one of the kind of ideas of like war games that they had presented in the frugal wizard so this would be like a miniature version of that the mobile (laughs) game version where you can just jump into a quick struggle of titanic proportions oh gosh If anything, I feel like this might be something that maybe Dan would write in the future. I don't think Brandon has time for this. I don't necessarily want Brandon to have time for this. Yeah, exactly. Like, there are so many other things I'd rather have. But the fans, I think the fans could take this one up. (laughs) We should start a a Twitch-esque pass around where everybody's just writing one sentence at a time. Yeah, that's the way. (laughs) Titanic 2, sink harder. This last question is going to end us on just a a classic spoiler stream note. Question is, how does traveling up the dimension stream give the whites actual magic? Should they be less powerful than the original dimension and not more powerful? Read and find out, Brandon says. Raffo, raffo, (laughs) raffo. Again, not shutting down a possible sequel or just playing around more with this world anytime that you have multiple dimensions you're not like that far from adding the frugal wizard company (laughs) into any of your story because a a wizard could just drop in and be like hey i'm from the frugal wizard company here to explore your dimension and then you get the main characters you are following just being like what (laughs) just like that i would hope so This has been lovely. We have had so much fun with the Frugal Wizard Book Club, and we will be dropping the Yumi Book Club in your main feed next week. Yeah, really excited to get some proper Cosmere content back in the feed here. Uh, And I can't wait to hear what everybody thought about Yumi. Uh, So keep your eyes out for that episode. Let us know all of your thoughts, questions, queries, theories. And until next time... 
Life before death. Strength before weakness. Journey before destination. 